Yeah, and just think about Twitter. I mean, Twitter's a company that came pretty much out of nowhere and became one of the most important communication platforms in the world. So, so you're talking major... in a tax circus as, as, as long as a runway. I mean, that's uh, I just I wonder what it's going to actually take. I still think of Microsoft as a startup, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. You're not that old. Come on, now. <laughs> Hey man, all right. So we gotta talk about this this Twitter issue, oh, uh, man. this this whistleblower report. Uh, is it really as bad as some of the headlines are painting it to be? Does Twitter have as massive a gap in their security architecture as they say? And according to the whistleblower, it absolutely right. But you gotta think about startups in general you know, don't necessarily grow out of a governance culture. <laughs> they, they, they grow out of a, you know, college dropout, a college graduate, young, you know, uh, let's do something new. Let's be a revolutionary uh, visionary for where we want to take the internet next. I mean, that's the mindset. And that's not a very defensive mindset by nature. And it's, but it's not just startups either, right? I mean, like, let's look at most organizations, most companies, it, cybersecurity is an afterthought at best in a yeah. lot of cases. In in I feel comfortable saying in a majority of cases cybersecurity is just a complete afterthought. And you know, we'll go through some of these accusations and what's in the whistleblower report, but according to them, this is I mean, a lot of what we're seeing in the industry now, this is pretty typical unfortunately. Yeah, it is. Some of these allegations get get I mean, it's bad. I mean, it's it is it's real real bad, but if they are if they do pan out to be true, you know, unfortunately, it just kind of points to how important governance is and risk and, and compliance can be in GRC, how, how important it is to kind of build that into your infrastructure, your cybersecurity infrastructure and your the security culture. Yeah. And, and just think about Twitter. I mean, Twitter is a company that came pretty much out of nowhere and became one of the most important communication platforms in the world. Everyone uses Twitter. I mean, some have even said it's just a matter of time before a war starts on Twitter, a literal kinetic war. I mean, that's the kind of and that's, that's why some of these some of these accusations are so concerning because yes, a war I mean, okay, let's talk about where this all started. Okay. Yeah. Back in 2020, Twitter had a massive hack, right? Where a lot of high profile accounts were compromised. That included presidential candidate Joe Biden at the time, President Biden, President Barack Obama's account, Elon Musk's account was compromised, and a bunch of other high profile accounts. So uh, when that happens, typically with an organization, when they have some kind of external threat or external pressure to focus on security, that's when they tend to go, okay, well, we have to hire somebody, we have to get new people in, we have to actually have some kind of cybersecurity program in the organization. And that's exactly what Twitter did by hiring Peter Zatko. It came out a couple of days ago that Peter Zatko had filed a whistle, uh, whistleblower report with a couple of different agencies, the SEC, the DOJ, and the FTC, alleging just pure negligence in the application of cybersecurity and in privacy, specifically privacy agreements that they've had with the FTC. That's a big issue. So that's huge. I, that's huge. And honestly, yeah. we've had episodes. We, we talked about the issue of due care, negligence, you know, and and ultimately the legal 
liability that companies take on whenever they have own control, anyone else's private information, in this case, private communication or, or public communication, but th their profile is certainly private information. Uh, that negligence can bring forth all sorts of tortious claims. I mean, this is this is a real thing. Uh, and we've talked about it before. We even had our, our, our good friend Dave, our India lawyer, on with us. Uh, this is a big issue. And it, the fact that he filed a whistleblower campaign, despite being one of the high executives in that organization, really tells you that this is not something to just turn a blind eye to. Yeah. As the head of security, his he has a lot of clout that comes with those claims. And here's the thing. It doesn't end at just negligence uh, for basic cybersecurity practices. The report also alleges that Twitter has great potential or has already been exploited by foreign intelligence agencies. Yeah, and that's a huge thing, especially when you aggregate a lot of the issues that we're going to talk about. When you aggregate all of it, it's a recipe for disaster. And, and, and another thing about Twitter, too, is that Peter Zacko, and I think appropriately, has labeled Twitter as a critical resource. I, I think that's true, especially when you have government agencies that use that as their primary means of communication to the layman or to the general population. I yeah, think no, that is absolutely apt. It's, it's faster than press conferences and press releases, and it's more immediate than even calling uh, your favorable or maybe unfavorable uh, journalist uh, to come in and do a quick interview. I mean, there's nothing faster to getting information out than Twitter. So everybody uses it. Like I said, it's the de facto quick communication mechanism of the world. Uh, it came out of nowhere. It was just a startup a couple of years ago, but this is what it is now. We have to deal with that reality and the risks that it carries. Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's funny that you said it just, it's been around for a few years. It's been around for a while. It's been around for over a decade. And so, right. well, you know, as you mentioned, a my lot age of makes me think of it as <laughs> I'm, I'm an old head. Okay. You know, yes, I still, you know, I, I still think of Microsoft as a startup. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. you're not that old. Come on now. I'm uh, not that but, old, but, but, but I, remember, I remember when MS DOS was just, was, was their yeah. sole product. <laughs> But 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 it's it's so funny that you mentioned that too because this is a lot of these things people would assume happens at a relatively new company or a startup or a company that's not even involved maybe in the technology sector where this stuff kind of becomes an afterthought and that's unfortunately not the case right you you do see these uh, matured companies these organizations that have been around for a decade or more that still do not have sound cybersecurity practices in place. Our history in, in the industry has unfortunately been kind of a, <laughs> with our experience in the industry, a lot of the things that are being alleged, we've seen. We've yeah. been there in the room where an executive states, don't add that in the report, take that out of the report, or I don't want to hear that, tell me something different, which is also another one of the accusations. Okay, so let's 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 actually jump into these accusations. Let's let's take a look at specifically what's being said that uh, Twitter has been, you know, severely negligent about, and let's kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what the whether or not it's actually as severe as it sounds. So first off, the production environment within Twitter is impossible to protect. "Quote: All the engineers had access. There was no logging of who went into the environment or what they did." Nobody knew where data lived or where it was critical, and all engineers had some form of critical access to the production environment. So, so there's talking a major attack surface as 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 long as a runway. I mean, that's right. thing, you know, I mean, yeah, as wide as a one way, right? I mean, wide, that's, wide and long. I mean, you yeah. know, that many the entire environment is is your attack surface. 
you're right. That, so that's we have some we have some basic cybersecurity principles that we put in place to mitigate this kind of you know the risks that are associated with giving everybody access to everything, right? One of those things is you know we have access control, and we have the concept of least privilege, right? Only the people who sh should have access to what they need should have it, right? Yeah. That does not seem to be implemented at Twitter or was not implemented at Twitter at the time that Zacto was there. Yeah. And I want to say that that doesn't happen in the real world, but unfortunately, we've seen, thing, we've seen that to not be true. We see it all the time. But, but the, the key word in uh, this particular accusation is production environment. It makes sense to have a wild, wild west development environment. You know, fine. But the idea of having everyone with, with access to the production environment, the live environment, that's just lazy. You know, the idea of development, staging, and then production is just a basic DevOps, um, sec DevOps model. No one should be having everybody in the production environment without any traceability on activity. That's just insane. And that's a horrible practice. Absolutely, right? I mean, one wrong, you know, code, one wrong push of a button, and yeah, you you, you take down an entire site, right? That is uh, what allegedly is going on with Twitter, and we have seen that not only with with other applications, but with other major companies, right, where they don't take the time or they don't consider right, but, the expense for a development environment worth it. Right, but but th think about this. The, the reason why we practice the uh, uh, principle of least privilege is so that behaviors that are potentially adversarial are easily identifiable. If everybody has that level of access, then it, it becomes noise. You know, if one of them happens to be an APT and all the rest of them are legit, what's to distinguish it? Because you have all these different users doing uh, uh, privilege level access at the same time without any traceability on the behavior, the fact that one could be a bot or one could be a rootkit or some other malware that's been in, uh, in installed on the system to behave and impersonate a legitimate user is undetectable. So what he's saying is crucial because that's the whole point. The whole point, you, you, you isolate it down to just manageable, auditable, uh, privileged actions is so that you can easily detect an aberration. And when you see that aberration, you know, that's adversarial. That's an APG. That's something malicious. That's not normal because we know what normal looks like. Yeah, and it actually ties into the next allegation that's, I think, in this category, right? Where it's been alleged that Twitter lacks the ability to hold workers accountable for security lapses because they have no control or little control or visibility into the individual work computers of their users. That's a major issue. You cannot monitor the behavior of your users, especially if you're giving them access to critical infrastructure if you don't have any type of monitoring of those assets. Exactly. It's you a major blind spot. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. this is disturbing enough. You, so you we, can't manage what you can't track. You can't manage what you don't track. Part of the report alleged that there are cybersecurity reports within Twitter that actually show only four out of 10 devices actually meet security standards, basic security standards. Now we can speculate on exactly what that means, However, 40% of your workforce being up to date on security patches, software updates, so on and so forth, is a, is a very bad metric to have. 
Oh, it's, it's, it's horrific. You only need one. I mean, ultimately, the goal of an adversary is to target the weak link, exploit the weak link, and then use the weak link as an entry point only once. After that, you create your own backdoor. You create your own uh, persistent environment for continued access to the system. So, so based on this information, we can expect very realistically that there are embedded uh, malicious servers act acting in um, Twitter, in Twitter's environment right now that are um, put, put there by state-sponsored advanced persistent threat agents. And I think that's important actually to understand from a risk management standpoint, right? Because again, not alleging that that has actually occurred, but as cybersecurity professionals or experts in the field or as CISOs, you, we need to be able to enter the headspace that this has already occurred so that we can manage the threat, right? What it seems to me is that this was never even considered in the first place or that the people who should have considered it did not. And that is where this major blind spot comes in. Let's move on to the next. Let's move on to the next one. It's also alleged that half of the company's servers, numbering at about 500,000 servers, run on outdated software that doesn't support basic security features. That includes things like encryption, things like security patches. Yeah, uh, just another entry point. Again, it increases the probability that they are already been exploited and there may be a threat agent or two or many in place. It's just circumstantial, but those are the circumstances that get exploited. Let's go into a bit of the history with Peter Zacco. Mudge has been around for what, over 30 decades? Uh, he's a cybersecurity professional. He's like one of the OG white hat uh, white hats out there. I mean, this guy pioneered, like, was it buffer overflow? He testified in front of Congress about hacking in the state, uh, security state of a lot of companies and, and systems and software at the time, back in like the, the late 90s. He worked for DARPA, he's worked for Google. He was part of Loft and Cult of the Dead Cow, which were you know really prevalent uh, hacking groups back in the day. Yeah, I think there's no question on his credibility. I, I would push back only, only a little bit. And that is in this, sometimes when you're at, the, at a much, much, much higher level, um, you see things that people at a normal level just don't see. Uh, and, you know, you're looking at it like, what, what, what are these idiots thinking? And it's because, honestly, you're at such a higher level in this industry than most people are, that, that, that you are seeing things that no one else can see. And, and to that degree only, um, some of his reaction to what he sees uh, is affected by his own expertise. But that's, that's as far as I would say, as far as pushback. Other than that, he's yeah, extraordinarily I, credible. And that, yeah, that, not to go too much on a side tangent, personality obviously has a big factor in this. And, and we'll get to Twitter, what Twitter, Twitter has responded here in a second. But obviously, personality has a factor in it. So if you're a jerk about it or, you know, you kind of act all high and mighty. Yeah, some messages can get lost in translation, so on and so forth. That being said, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of books out there about specifically that that period of time in like the the early to late '90s in the hacking world and and yeah, personality may have a have a factor there, but at the end of the day, personality doesn't make up foreign oh. intelligence agencies exploiting your organization or lack of configuration management plan uh, and policies and so on and so forth. No, right? hey, I mean, you know. You know, you know how I, I feel about it. I mean, I've said it on, on this show more than once 
that cybersecurity experts should be people that are more advanced than uh, your average user. I mean, the idea that a cybersecurity professional should be someone who can see the flaws in the work of the regular guy, that's actually my ideal of what all cybersecurity professionals should be. So the idea that he is using his expertise is, I wouldn't even call it a personality flaw. It, it, it just shows you that he's at a different level and he's going to see things that most wouldn't see. Yeah. Expert doesn't go far enough, right? I, I, we're, we're heaping praise on the guy, but you know, he very, very expert when it comes to this, uh, to, to this stuff. So what Twitter has claimed is that everything that Zacco said is false. It's either exaggerated or the claims are out of date. Quote, Mr. Zacco was fired from Twitter more than six months ago for poor performance and leadership. And he now appears to be opportunistically seeking to inflict harm on Twitter its customers and its shareholders. Yeah, but, but you got you to always look at a statement from a company with the view that they're, they're taking a defensive position on our impending lawsuit here. And one of the most important things in legal defense is to pick apart your key witness against you. you know, so if the key witness against you can be put into a bad light, you can affect a public opinion or anything like that, that that's the job of the, of the lawyers. Of course, they're going to say he's a disgruntled, he was fired. He, he was incompetent. They're going to they're going to push that stuff to the wall uh, because that is their only defense against what will probably be a very, very significant lawsuit once the damage from uh, his observations are actually realized. I think it's worth understanding that, you know, first and foremost, they have a lot to gain, obviously, by you know questioning the credibility of Peter Zacco. Um, but what they're saying may not necessarily be incorrect. Right. So specifically when it comes to the accusations being out of date, because I, I would expect that what happened at Twitter at the time that Peter Zacco was the CISO there is that they probably have been rectified to some extent or mitigated to some degree. Yeah. So they're, and they have very qualified and intelligent people working in their cybersecurity department at Twitter right now. Uh, So I'm sure they are just picking up the pieces, especially after this whistleblower report. It's so important to listen to a whistleblower with this sort of credibility, because this is why we depend so much on hacks and then postmortem after action reports. In other words, we wait for a hacker to actually do it. And then we're like, oh, we didn't. We had no idea. Oh, we were so shocked. They were in there for 10 years stealing everyone's data. Who knew? No, you got to listen to these people when they bring the information out. You can't discredit someone from the inside with the expertise, letting you know exactly what's going on, because that's how you prevent instead of trying to react. Exactly. And I think, unfortunately, what we see in most cases is it's reaction as opposed to being proactive. What gets me the most about questioning the credibility of this specific whistleblower is the fact that Twitter isn't doing themselves any favors by trying to attract highly, highly talented individuals by going on this kind of offensive to, to protect themselves. There's not very many people who are qualified in the space that are going to want to work for that company. It does actually become an unfortunate consequence that by proving that you're not actually committed to the protection of your environment, but you're more uh, committed to the protection of your reputation than the actual system really shows that uh, your priority is in the wrong place. You know, it's funny. It, it reminds me of a movie I saw years ago. Uh, great movie, Syriana. And in that movie, an interesting line um, that uh, the the guy that that was hired to come in and audit a systems, uh, audit an organization before doing some big merger or some big thing, is he knew that they brought him in to just sugarcoat the truth and and push the deal through. And he had this great line. The the line was, we're just looking for 
an appearance of due diligence, right? And that's what these companies want. They want an appearance of due diligence, but they don't really want truly competent expertise and truly competent uh, evaluation of their true posture, because that true posture is going to reveal that they're really what they're doing is inadequate. Their attention to it is lip service. The budgets for it are inadequate. And in the end, the attack surface is like we said, a, a, a stinking, uh, uh, <laughs> the attack surface is huge. You can launch a jet on it. <laughs> you, can launch, you, can launch, you can land a 747 on the attack surface of these systems. But that's what we've seen. That's the norm in a lot of these situations. And that's why like CISOs or chief information security officers are typically on the chopping block every time there's a data breach. They're the ones who always get blamed, whether or not it was actually their fault or if it was you know, the CTO's fault or the CEO or the CIO's fault for not allocating the budget properly for you know, proper security controls to be put in place. Typically, your CISOs are going to get fired because of these things. That's why CISO is not, you know, chief information security officer. Uh, someone was saying it's chief info, infosec scapegoat officer. Like yeah. every single time, <laughs> it, 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 it is. They just but, but get blamed. Also, but that's also why, in my opinion, you know, they seem to hire folks that that are high on the uh, executive expertise, but pretty low on the actual technical expertise. Well, and I think a lot of times what will happen is what you've seen with Peter Zacco is that they are seen as more of a Cassandra in this case, right? And and we've certainly come across that as well, where we'll sit down with managers and executives, explain to them, here's the metrics, here are the problems, here are your weak spots, and oh, don't worry about that, or oh, we we you know don't include that in this report, or oh, just change this on that PowerPoint and or leave it out. We've seen that a lot of a lot in our in, in my experience. I know in your experience, we've talked about this before. The Putin effect, yeah. right? Just don't tell me any bad news. We're seeing what the effects of that are. That, if if you tell me any bad news, I will chop your head off. I will, I will fry I will you in the you. media and I will kill you. <laughs> you know? exactly. I mean, there will be intense consequences for telling me the truth. You know, the worst consequences of your career. I will ruin you for telling me the truth. <laughs> I will put you in a hole and you will be impoverished living uh, out of a trash can and pushing a grocery la, cart. La, 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 la. If you la, tell la, me the la, truth. La, la, la. Tell me the truth and yeah. I will fry you in boiling acid. <laughs> you know, that's that's the consequences of these environments. They, they so badly don't want to hear the truth. They so badly want to cover over anything that's going to cost them money or anything that's going to require change when they're actually making money as it is right now with all the weaknesses. And they really, in the end, don't care about um, breaches to confidentiality or breaches to integrity. They only really care about breaches to availability. And when that's yeah. their only concern, if they bring our system down, we care. But if they change the data, if they put in bots, if they steal our customers' privacy, well, that doesn't really affect us. We don't really care about that stuff. That doesn't affect our money. But if you shut us down, we care about that. That's the only thing we care about. Keep our system yep. up. Your job is only that. We don't care about security. We don't care about confidentiality, integrity, any of that stuff. And, and I don't, really don't want to get on my soapbox. I, yeah. I don't want to get on my soapbox or get on a tangent too much on this, but it it does get a little, it gets a little aggravating seeing this happen time and time again in the news, especially when you see qualified individuals who are in the space speaking intelligently to these facts that get shouted down or shut down or fired time and time again. And 
I, I just I wonder what it's going to actually take. You know, we're at the point now where we have allegations of actual, you know, issues, vulnerabilities or risks that have been posed to the national security apparatus of the of the United States because of some social media company. I just I wonder what it's actually going to take to push executives in the right direction here so that they become proactive in this space as opposed to being reactive or ignoring it completely and just wanting to see, you know, sh- you know, sun and rain all the time. I'm going to tell you something that the very notion of it, I hate. I'm gonna tell you something that actually would probably need to happen that is so repugnant to me that I hate to even say it out loud. But the truth of the matter is, whenever we have organizations that have this much impact on civilization, they're always regulated. They always are. You don't have uh, water companies and power companies other utilities, insurance companies. You don't have all these critical businesses and then allow them to do whatever they want with all of their assets and control over our economy and and society as they do without being heavily, heavily regulated. Banks, they can't just take your money and do anything with it. You know, these organizations, and while it's, it's painful for me to say that, you know, uh, these big companies, once they reach a certain point, need to be heavily regulated. It's, it's anathema to say that. But it, the reality is this company with the great little idea of just pushing out you know, a set number of characters to the world, quick, easy, and whoever your followers are, they immediately hear it. That technology has become critical. It's become so huge. It's a utility. It's a public utility now. You know, the, the next step is kind of a given. It's Again, it's... it's it's, it's not anything I like to say, but one of two things need to happen. Either Twitter needs to stop being as important as it is to the entire world's communication backbone. <laughs> or, that's not and that's not going to happen. <laughs> or, or it needs to be seriously regulated. Well, and I don't know that it directly needs to be regulated, but one of the allegations that, 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 that is on the table right now is that Twitter has broken their agreements with the FTC, specifically in the realm of privacy, that there are certain protections that they had in place for user privacy, for user data, and that they have not been keeping up with that agreement. That may actually, if there was actual real pressure applied from that aspect, we might actually see some changes or some more priorities put where they, you know, should be. Just in in the headlines, uh, last couple of days, the EU is actually now investigating Twitter for potential violations to uh, privacy and data protection because of a lot of the allegations that have come out from this whistleblower report. So in fact, they're not necessarily regulating the infrastructure of Twitter itself, but just the idea of user privacy and data protection, I think is a huge key here, which in the United States, we absolutely do not have. But you know, that's what I really mean by regulation. I don't necessarily mean that, that there need to be inspectors coming in and doing, yeah. uh, you know, uh, cybersecurity inspections uh, unannounced. Although that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, you know. <laughs> Real experts come in and just do, you know, a, a security inspection. Especially considering, <laughs> I mean, especially yeah. considering the fact that there's allegations that, you know, foreign spies have, are currently on the payroll uh, or were previously on the payroll. I mean, and that's less of a conspiracy theory or an allegation as more of a confirmed fact, at least in 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 the realm of, you know, up until... I think a couple of weeks ago, there was a manager of Twitter 
that was that was just convicted of 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 espionage for spying for Saudi Arabia, and he was a manager for Twitter. Yeah. So these so allegations they, aren't insane. Yeah. They're not so crazy and far fetched. They there's there's precedent for for some of this. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it just goes to show you, you know, the the bigger you get. Uh, the more risk you impose over the entire system. And what uh, this whistleblower is letting us all know is just because they got big doesn't mean they got better when it comes to cybersecurity. Well, that's going to do it for today. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to, I'm going to, I, I really think I, I want to keep following this. This is a super interesting story. Yeah. I think it's going to be extremely impactful on where we go as a country with regards to the priorities of cybersecurity, where we should be focusing especially with regards to user privacy, data protection. I think those might be things that we might see more attention paid to. And it's not going to be great for Twitter. It's not going to be great for a lot of social media companies. But I think now that we're in this, this realm of there's serious risk uh, with foreign intelligence agencies being involved on such a critical, critical asset like Twitter, I think that might garner a little bit more attention and regulation like we were speaking about before. So we're going to keep up with that. If you like today's episode, go ahead and like. If you're not subscribed to the channel, make sure you go ahead and do all those cool YouTube things. Subscribe. And don't forget, stay safe, be secure, be sure. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.